After years of claiming the military was in a readiness crisis, top military officials now say U.S. forces are back on track. Army Chief of Staff General Mark Milley and Vice Chief of Naval Operations Admiral Bill Moran say their services are nearly where they need to be to compete with near-peer competitors, China and Russia. Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni joins me with more of what he's learned about this in recent days. And Scott, review for us where the readiness crisis came from in the first place. Sure. Well, the readiness crisis is something that's been building over uh, quite a while. So for the past 17 years, the Defense Department and the military have been fighting in the Middle East, where they have spent time fighting al-Qaeda, fighting the Taliban. That was a smaller, more degraded environment that they were fighting in. The world has changed. Near-peer competitors like China and Russia have resurged. And DOD is finding out that it needs to catch up by not only refueling in its readiness areas like the actual force and investing in equipment that is uh, more like planes and, and tanks and things like that, but also needing to work into more innovative spheres and bring in lots of technology. So there's this change in the need for readiness and also the continuing resolutions that had hit DOD hard and budget cuts in the past. So there are a number of factors that brought DOD to where it was. And around 2015, 2016, they were saying we're in a a huge readiness crisis and we need some more money to go back and and make our equipment the way it needs to be. So what has changed since then? They've been getting budget plus ups now for a couple of years. Right. So we saw a budget supplemental in 2017. We saw a plus up in 2018 and 2019. What we're going to see in 2020 is yet to be determined, but it's likely that it won't be as big of a bump as we've seen in the past. Now, the Army, the Mark Milley, who's the chief of staff of the Army, and also Admiral Bill Moran, who is the vice chief of naval operations, both say that readiness is now hitting a point where they can kind of take a breath. They're close. They're a little bit almost all the way out of the hole, and they feel like they can really work within the threats and the threat landscape that the United States is now facing, which is a, a pretty complex one. Well, military doctrine has changed. I mean, the policy put out by the Pentagon just in the past year says, yes, we have to take on these or have to be ready to take on these near-peer competitors. Maybe as the wind-down happens in the Middle East, now they're just trying to reprioritize the money they've gotten. Right, they are. And I mean, this is also uh, one of those things you have to think critically. They seem to think, and Secretary Mattis, who's the, the former defense secretary, and many other people like Ash Carter, who was the secretary before Mattis, think that China and Russia are where we need to be focusing. And that includes areas like AI, machine man learning, all that type of cool, technological, exciting things. That's where DoD is going to be putting its money. But the readiness crisis in itself is beyond that. That is the size of the military, which is growing right now because of, of this threat. It's also backlogs, you know, backlogs in maintenance, backlogs in facilities, and and simple things like that. So I think that at this point, they say they feel like they're actually hitting the the marks that they needed to hit to get readiness back and to be able to fight tonight. We're speaking with Federal News Network Scott Mossioni. Now, it was only a couple of years ago or maybe in the past year, the Air Force, for example, and you cited the Navy and the Army, but the Air Force most of the squadrons were not really able to fly at a given moment because all the planes were under repair. Right. And the Navy had a lot of ships in dry dock being repaired and upgraded and so on, and they just didn't have the numbers. Have they gotten their backlogs of equipment maintenance such that the however many ships the Navy has and however many planes 
the Air Force has, they all have planes, and however many tanks, for example, the Army has, are they all working now? The answer to that is sort of. <laughs> they feel like they're they're on the path to do that. So Bill Moran, the vice chief of naval operations who I mentioned earlier, he said that with this backlog, they feel like they're now seeing concrete uh, efforts and concrete movements toward getting this backlog down. And, you know, you have to remember this backlog is so huge, it's like turning an aircraft carrier. You know, you, you may turn the wheel, but it's so going to take... Yeah. Right, yeah. But it's going to take a while before it actually turns. So I think they're starting to see that movement. Now, with the Army, they've moved a little bit faster. They've reduced their non-deployable rates of soldiers from 15% in 2015 all the way down to 6 or 7%, and they plan to bring the non-deployable rate down to 5% by the end of the year. Uh, they're also growing. They've had modest growths each year, and, and they've, like like the aircraft In the size carrier, of the forces. In the size of the force, correct. And so, you know, they're, they're going to be over 500,000 active duty. They're also doing things to kind of change the way training is, is uh, working on readiness. So what they've done is they've increased training. Infantry training is increased from 14 weeks to 22 weeks, and the National Guard is also getting more training as well. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different ways that they're trying to work this on, on many different angles. I read recently that their doctrine is to be able to win any kind of conflict anywhere in the world, the Army, at the same time hold off a secondary conflict in the rear that they might need to, and that was fight one and hold. I think at one time that was debated during the Clinton administration, should we be able to carry on a full-scale war on two fronts, kind of hearkening back to World War II model. Is their doctrine now this fight and hold, and do they have enough troops with a half a million in the Army to do that? Operation Desert Storm alone, there were half a million troops. So if you've got an army of a half a million, that means probably 250 are ready to go out there in the field with rifles at a given moment. So what I've been hearing mostly is that they're trying to be able to fight a high-end war, right, while also being able to push back any sort of insurgents and non-state actors. So doing both of those at the same time, it creates a need for a large spectrum of weapons and a large spectrum of training, right? So you need to be able to go into the desert and fight against insurgents who are hiding in uh, caves or in uh, buildings, and then also do high-end warfare where you know you have dogfighting in the uh, the skies or dropping you know bombs, things like that. So uh, it's it's a large spectrum of what they're trying to do, and I think that that is 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 reflected very much in what they're they're changing with the readiness. But I think we're seeing a lot more of the high-end these days than we have been in the past. I wonder what they would answer if you asked. Well, suppose China and Russia got together and China came in from the east and Russia from the west. Right. Then what? <laughs> well, we're going to have to get the risk board out for that part, I think. And what can we expect now in the next couple of years? Because uh, it looks like the DOD funding at least comes through on schedule now from Congress. Right. So, you know, they're not affected by the shutdown at all, as you know. So the next thing is now that 2019 is already funded, is what is the 2020 budget going to look like? And right now there's three numbers that are floating around, $700 billion, 733 and 750 so um, 750 would be on the high end. That's what Jim Inhofe, the Senate Armed Services Committee chairman, is pushing for. I think on the Democratic side, we're going to be seeing a little bit less. They're going to see want more money for infrastructure, for uh, domestic uh, uses. And, uh, you know, Adam Smith, who's the House Armed Services Committee chairman, has said that he thinks the United States needs to find a couple of things to really specialize in when it comes to 
being good in the military and then rely on winning as one of them. Right, right. Yes. But, uh, you know, finding allies to pick up the slack in, in other areas. So we may be really good at cyber, but, you know, we need someone else to be really good at night vision or something like that. Well, we could rely on France for that. All right. I guess that's what I was going to say. If we can find allies like that, let us know. Federal News Network's Scott Mossioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Be sure to check out his story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online.